Hallelujah. Would you turn, please? I've entitled today's, this evening's message. It's so good to see all of you. Take heed how you run. And I want to, I want to share some things with you uh, that the Lord's been dealing with me about uh, recently. And I believe it's not just for myself, but it's for all of you. So I want to read some scriptures with you tonight. And uh, there just seems to be a, a thing in my spirit r- bubbling up for the last number of weeks. And uh, I just felt in my heart um, to share it with you this evening. And I just keep feeling the Holy Ghost saying in a variety of different areas, take heed. Take heed. Watch out. Be careful. Be careful. Pay attention to what you're doing. Don't get on cruise control. I shared with uh, some of the flag ministers recently. I, I was having a fellowship with them. They're the ones starting our work so internationally. And the Holy Ghost gave me a, a scripture for them. I'm not sharing that with you tonight, but part of it was he said, uh, tell them to guard their heart. And guarding their heart is an active action, not a passive action. In other words, you don't put guarding your heart on cruise control because the minute you get distracted and start looking at other things, the devil's right there waiting. He's right there. He's watching for an opportunity. So guarding your heart has to be an active thing and it's keeping your foot on the gas pedal and not getting distracted. So with them, he was talking about basically take heed with your heart because the enemy wants to, that's if he can get into your heart, if he can get weeds in your heart, if he can, if he can work and get you offended, do you know what I mean? And that was what he was talking to the ministers about, which was guard your heart, take heed about your heart. But there's a lot of things in my life he's been saying to me, take heed, son. Take heed. I haven't really preached it much, but he's been dealing with me privately. And then today I felt him say, I want you to share this with the congregation. And there's just this phrase, take heed. Uh, But what he's particularly been talking to me about recently is take heed how you run. So let's first look, please, at at at, at another another image here in 1 Corinthians 3.10. You know, Paul the Apostle uh, gave different analogies. and, And Jesus, of course, talked about farmers right? But Paul, Paul often talked about a building or a construction analogy. He also talked about running and athletics analogy. And he also talked about warring and fighting and military type terminology. And, uh, and I want you to see some things in these different uh, images uh, from the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians 3.10, are you there? 1 Corinthians 3.10, and it says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. <laughs> he, the, the foundation is Jesus that you're born again. He's Lord. But what church you go on, what, <laughs> it depends what church you go to that's going to determine how they build upon that basic foundation of we're born again. Because a lot of churches will teach a lot of different things. And he says, take heed. You with me? For another foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, we're not saved through any other God but Jesus. That's the foundation. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, now you can build upon that basic salvation, that knowledge of salvation, and, and your, what you build upon can be gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble. There's different categories of how you build. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire will try every man's work what sort it is. 
If any man's work abide which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved so as by fire. Now there's two fires talking, the Bible talks about two kinds of fire in the life of the believer. In the, in the sinner's life, there's a fire and you don't want anything to do with that kind of fire because that's called hell and brimstone. But in the believer's life, there's two fires. There's fires on the earth and there's fires in heaven. And this one is talking about if you build, if you build upon that foundation of, 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 of basically born again, and you build all these other doctrines and all these other, uh, like a construction, you build your house and you build it right, and you build it strong, it's going to be gold, silver, precious stones. And when, the, and when you get to heaven, God's going to test certain things. And he's going to see if how you lived on the earth matched his standard. And it's going to be tried by fire in heaven. Okay? And then and certain things are going to get burned away. Fluff. Stuff that's not built on a gold foundation. Silver and precious stones. It's going to be burned away. The wood, hay, stubble is going to be gone. And, and you, it says that you won't get a reward. Lots of people are going to get to heaven without rewards. But, see, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he will be saved. In other words, they're still saved and they're in heaven for eternity, but they've suffered loss. They're not going to have rewards for eternity like other folks that on the earth paid attention to how they built upon their foundation. Are you with me? So there's, there's, there's what you do is tested by fire in heaven. And, and, if it's, and if it proves out as gold, there'll be rewards. And if not, then you'll still be saved, but there'll be a, a suffering of loss from the reward side of things. Are you with me on that? But can we also look at another scripture here in 1 Peter chapter 1 uh, and verse 6. Actually, let's look at James chapter 1 first. James chapter 1. Uh, I'm looking at a number of verses with you, but some, sometimes it's a more a teaching anointing, and that's what it is tonight. So uh, just flow with me. James chapter 1 verse 2. And it says, uh, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers tests and trials. Temptation means tests and trials. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith. Did you notice it just said it would try? What you build will be tried with fire. Right? Now we're going to build that foundation. We, I, we want to build it with gold. We don't, upon that foundation with gold, we don't want to be doing wood, hay, stubble because it's not going to last. Now he says here, notice the trying of your faith works patience. So when you're falling into tests and trials, verse 2, know that that test and trial is attacking your faith. When you, when you have a financial issue, it's, it's not just about the money, it's about your faith. When you f f fall into something about with a health issue, it's not just the health issue, it's a test against your faith. It's to try to destroy your faith. And if you've built upon your foundation with a foundation of faith, if you understand faith, all of a sudden you're going to get through that test in a trial. Now it says you're knowing this, the trying of your faith works patience. It's patience have a perfect work that you may be complete, entire, and wanting nothing. Now, have a look at 1 Peter 1, 6. I'm just giving you some scriptures to show you that, you're, that there, are, there are attacks. The Bible calls them tests or trials. They happen to all of us. You can't bind tests and trials. They're going to come. But you can get through them. And how you get through them, how you've built upon the, the born-again revelation... What kind of what church you go to, what you study after, what you believe is going to determine how you get through that test or trial. And then how you get through that test and trial and how you live your life is going to determine what rewards you get in heaven. But this is an excellent verse here in 1 Peter. What did I say, Taylor? 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. It's an excellent verse. Now read this with me. Uh, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold tests and trials. Anytime that you feel, wow, I've got a lot of problems. 
uh, he says, wherefore greatly rejoice. Not for the problem, but because your faith's going to get you through those manifold tests and trials. Watch now, that the trial of your what? Remember, James just said that your faith is tested. Now it says here that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you notice here that like James says, you're tested, your faith is tested? Did you notice here that your faith is tested and that test and trial is like fire? And did you notice that if that, if that faith that is tested comes out as gold, if it comes out as gold, you're going to make it. So that tells me that I need to take heed how I build my Christian life. Because if I'm building with faith, then I'm building with gold, precious stones, silver. And when my, in other words, when I understand a revelation of faith and who I am in Christ, I'm trying to put these verses together. I hope you're not, I'm not losing you. He's saying, you're born again, but now you're going to have to build a little bit more. You can't just live your whole life just knowing you're born again. There's other things you've got to build upon that foundation. Now, build upon that foundation gold. Now, this verse, he gives, now Peter, that was Paul, now Peter gives us another insight, and he says, now that gold is the message of faith. So when you're building upon that foundation of who, like, I'm born again now, but what else is there? Well, you need to learn about what faith means. You need to understand the message of faith. Because if you don't understand them, the message of faith is what's the gold. Remember, Paul said, make sure you have gold. But Peter tells us what the gold is. It's the message of faith. If you understand the message of faith, you've got gold. And when the test and the trial and the cancer and the joblessness and the this and the that and whatever it is, when the trial, when the test shows up and it hits your faith like a fire, it's going to be, it's going to come through as precious gold. Because your faith won't fail you. Right. Other, other things, if you build it on fluff, like wood, hay, stubble, that might fail you when the cancer shows up. But if you've built it on faith, Amen. if you understand faith, if you understand who you are in Christ, if you understand how to trust God, if you understand how to approach God, if you understand Mark 11, 23 and 24, no matter what you face, it's gonna, it might hit you hard. It's like a fire that, that, that puts pressure on you, but your faith is like that gold and that gold's gonna come through that test and trial. You're gonna get through that cancer. You're gonna get through that problem. You're gonna get through that attack. You're gonna get through whatever it is and you're gonna get through it with joy because both James and Peter says, when you're facing all these problems, rejoice. Why? because your faith's not going to fail you. Hallelujah. So how do I know that God wants everybody to go to a faith church? Because the Bible says so. It does. I'm not just saying that. The Bible teaches that your gold, see, Paul didn't tell you what the gold was. He just said, whatever you build is going to be like gold doctrine, silver doctrine, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. But Peter tells us what the gold is. The gold is your faith. So that means a church that feeds you on faith, the f a church that teaches you how to respond to situations right, a church that teaches you, a pastor that teaches you how to answer, a pastor that teaches you how to walk in the Spirit. That's the gold standard. And no matter what test and trial you face, you're going to get through with precious gold. The fire won't burn away because your doctrine's not wood, hay, stubble. Your doctrine, understanding the dominion of the Christian is like gold, man. 
and you're building your life with gold, with the revelation of faith, and when the pressure comes, you laugh in the face of it, and you rejoice in manifold tests and trials, because you know the trying of your faith is going to get you through, and you know the gold's going to come out, and you know you'll be stronger afterward than you even were before, because whatever little, little, little things that were attached to that gold, when it goes to that refining process, all that dross is moved away, and you're even more pure at the end of that test and trial, as you've seen your faith work. So God wants people to understand the faith message because that's the gold standard. Praise God. So therefore, we could say God wants people to go to faith churches. I'm not against any other churches. I'm just saying the message of faith is central to the entire New Testament. And in fact, Jesus said, when I come back, I'm looking to see if I can find faith. And not just born again like saving faith, but regular Christian growing faith. Praise God. You got to be taught these things. If you, like, let, me, let me say something because I, I was facing with a person a little while ago, a situation, and uh, they had a big problem and they were struggling and, and, and they almost, almost had a, a major issue. And uh, the enemy was attacking them. And so they said, but I'm answering it, but I'm answering it, but I'm answering it. See, we're teaching you faith. But that, that, that thing wouldn't break. And so I said, well, Lord, I know when, whether you speak to the devil, he, he stops. So what's the problem with this person? And I heard the Holy Ghost say, they're offended with you. So I started prying a little bit and what's going on with this and what's going on with that? And sure enough, something I said, something I did, something whatever offended them. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, listen to me, I'll help you. Answering the devil is not enough. You must walk in the spirit too. You can answer the devil, but open up, not guard your heart, open up to offense, and now you've got a floodgate of problems coming in. And you can make your answering confession all you want, and that devil won't leave you alone. And he will crush you until he separates you, or until he kills you, until he puts cancer on you, whatever the thing is. You can't just, it's not just a blind thing of, I answer you, I answer you. It's about walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit includes answering, but walking in the Spirit is also guarding your heart and walking in love and not walking in offense. Because you can do the action, the religious action of saying and answering, but if you don't have a right heart, he don't listen to you. He don't listen to you just because you say something. He listens to you because you have authority, and your authority is stunted if you don't walk in the Spirit. If you're not in the love walk, the authority doesn't work right. Now, this is a, that was a freebie. You don't have to pay for that. That was a freebie. I'm just trying to say, I'm just giving you little nuggets here because we teach you faith. But we don't just teach you faith and how to answer the devil. We've got to teach you how to walk in love. We've got to teach you how to walk in the Spirit because it all works together. God wants people to understand faith and who they are in Christ because it's a central theme of the New Testament. The whole point of the New Testament is life in the Spirit. But a major component within the category of life in the Spirit is understanding who you are in Christ because that's what the Pauline revelation is all about who you are in Christ that means your dominion that means your authority that means Mark 11 23 and 24 that means when you say things things obey you that means you understand that you can pray the prayer of faith and believe you receive without seeing it and you'll have it that means whatever test or trial you face whatever problem faces comes up against you your revelation of faith is gold because you have built upon the born-again experience with gold and when it's tried with fire it will come out as precious and you will not go down so there's an element of the construction side where Paul talks about take heed how you build because how you build but you better have faith there because if you don't have faith you're not gonna make it 
Are you with me? I'm, I won't make it in this ministry if I didn't understand faith. I know it. David Hogan, uh, I don't want to ruin it, but anyway. David, David Hogan just sent me a little note for my birthday coming up and my ministry anniversary. And in that note, he, you know, he said, he said, you know, I'm seeing churches all over the world fall. He said, it's absolutely astonishing. It's shocking at how many churches are closing, at how many pastors are quitting, at how many ministers are falling into gross sin. He said, it is, it's like an epidemic. He said, it's almost hard these days to find people that are faithful and that are right and that are strong and that are seeking God with all their heart. It's not as common as you may think. People say to me, oh, you know, there's so many churches. There are so many churches, and, there's so many, and there are many wonderful churches. But I'm just saying, it's harder than you may think to find people that have the revelation of faith, that teach what Dad Hagen taught, that bring in guest ministers that are along that line, that stand for a banner of righteousness, that don't back down, that aren't seeker-sensitive, that aren't going to pander to the lowest common denominator of what some sinner wants to hear or, or whatever. It's not as common as you may think. And David, who goes all over the world constantly, when, 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 when I say it, it may not mean much, but when somebody who travels all the time and sees stuff on almost every continent of the earth on, on a yearly basis, and he says, everywhere I look, they're falling away. They're falling away. They're falling away. They're falling away. Because there's a great falling away to come. That's what, that's what Paul told Timothy, his spiritual son. He said, in the last day, perilous times shall come, and many shall fall from the faith. Notice what it said, fall away from the faith. But if you understand faith, you won't fall away. The problem is all these places, they don't teach people faith. They don't teach people how to answer the devil. They don't teach people how to stand their ground. They don't teach people how to walk in the spirit. So the devil, they just, it's, like, it's just a cherry picker. He just picks them off. So if you want to make it in life, take heed how you build. Make sure you understand the faith message. But can I move on now? Because that's not really the only thing here. I'm just giving you a, a little bit of a snippet there. Now have a look at 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Did you know that faith is not the only, is not the only ingredient in the pie? We, we love faith. We talk about faith. But faith is not the only ingredient that we got to talk about. I want to read you this. I believe it will help you. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 5. And besides this... Giving all diligence, add to your faith. So faith alone was enough to finish your race and complete your building, so to speak. Then he wouldn't say add something to it. We're not only faith people, we're word and spirit people, Dad Hagen said, because the faith message alone won't take you to the end of the race, although it's a major component. Add to your faith virtue. That means Basically, one translation says integrity, another says moral excellence, the New Living says moral excellence. Uh, it, 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 means, it means manliness in, in the Greek, but it means valor, but it's, what it's saying is valor from an integrity perspective, not valor like I'm brave. It means be, 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 be brave in your integrity, be bold in living right. It's not enough just to have faith, you've got to live right. You've got to have integrity. You've got to have morality and excellence to your morality. You've got to treat people right. You've got to you, it's not just about not sinning. That's more holiness. But integrity and moral excellence is what you do when nobody looks. And I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm just talking about things that you know are not right. Having integrity at work means you do your job whether the boss is watching or not. 
A lot of people will talk about faith, but they don't talk about moral excellence. And then you add to that knowledge. Really, this is the knowledge of, not just natural knowledge, it is that as well, but it's, it's the knowledge of the will of God, knowing what God wants you to do, being in the know. It's not enough just to have faith if you don't know the plan of God. You've got to have faith. You've got to add that to that faith, that this integrity and moral excellence. You've got to know the plan of God and what He wants you to do, and that's even that's not enough. Then He says, now add to that knowledge temperance. People don't like that word anymore, especially in our society, but temperance means self-control. Controlling your appetites. And he says, now that's not enough. Add to that patience. That's that wide stance, that, that fortitude, that endurance where you don't quit. COVID or not, you don't quit. Attack or not, you stand wide. You stand strong. See, faith isn't enough. You've got to have integrity. You've got to know the plan of God. You've got to have self-control. You've got to have patience. And to that, you've got to have holiness. Godliness means holiliness. You've got to live right, not just, just in integrity side of things, morality, but you've got to live right away from sin. Some of you watch stuff and I say, like, wow, okay. People tell me that they, and I'm like, I, I, anyway, I, you do what you want. I, I just, I don't, I don't touch those things. It's very hard to find movies today that you can watch. If you find it very easy to watch a movie, it shows me you're backslidden. Because what is out there is nothing but vile filth. 98% of it. I'm serious. The spirit of the world is different in movies today than it was in the 90s. You watch movies from the 80s and 90s or the early 2000s, you watch movies today, you'll, if you're spiritual, you'll notice a difference. There's a difference. And it's not just what they could have the same number of swear words, so to speak, and the same number of action sequences, but there's something different today because there's a vile, there's a spirit of the world that's intensified. It's, it's, it's darker. It's darker. So uh, th those things, you, we, as, as children of light, you, you shouldn't, well, it's just entertainment. Well, okay, let's see how far that gets you with God. I'm not saying you can't watch anything. I'm saying you've you got to be very careful. Holiness is important. Now, brotherly kindness is brotherly love. That's talking about how you treat the brothers, the body of Christ. It's not just enough to have faith if you don't treat the church right. And the last one is love. Charity is love. That means love for everybody, the love walk in general. So just look at this list. He's saying faith is not enough. Faith is a major, major component. We're not lessening it. But we have to add to that. You have to have integrity. You have to know the plan of God. You have to have self-control. You have to have patience. You have to have holiness. You have to love the local church and your brother. And you have to love in general even the sinner. And if you don't have these things, these seven things to add to your faith, you're not going to finish your race. Are you with me? So I'm just trying to emphasize to you, it's not only faith. Notice in 1 Corinthians 3.10, he tells us, take heed how you build, make sure you understand faith. But I'm not adding some other thoughts to you that it's not only faith. There's other elements that are important in your race. Faith is a major one, but it's not the only one. And I've given you seven. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on a couple of these, not all of them because I don't have time, but I'm going to focus on a couple of these seven elements now because I want to now talk to you about the analogy of the run because that's what he's really been dealing with me about a lot is the run. And he said to me, the only phrase that he said to me for this sermon was what I've got on the title there. He said to me, take heed how you run. Now, there's a scripture, what I just read you, take heed how you build. But there's no scripture that says, take heed how you run. Yeah. 
But the inference in this scripture is to take heed how you run. It's just not exactly worded that way, but that's how he said it to me. Take heed how you run. I want you to finish your race, Craig. I want you to see the plan of God fulfilled. I want you to see the glory center come. I want you to see the revival happen. I want you to see the international works, but you've got to take heed how you run. Because faith is not the only ingredient to get you there. Do you understand? And so I, I, he's been dealing with me a lot. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm preaching this more for me than I am for you. I don't know. But hopefully it'll help you too. I think it's for all of us, but I'm just d- d- talking to what God's been dealing with me about. 1 Corinthians 9.24. 1 Corinthians 9.24. I asked, turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I asked Pastor Nancy once, I said, Pastor, ever sometimes you just blank, you don't know what to preach. You just don't have, God's not telling you something specific for the congregation. She says, oh yeah, lots of times. I said, what do you do? She said, well, either that's the Holy Ghost wanting you to minister by the Spirit, not preach at all that night, or He wants you to turn to your spirit and find out what He's been dealing with you. Look to what God's been talking to you personally about. And if He doesn't give you a sermon specifically to preach, it either means he wants you to talk about what he's dealing with you about, or it means it's a ministry night, or somebody else is supposed to preach. So today, there was just a blank page. I got lots, hundreds of sermons or tens, I just, none of them were right. I just couldn't get a piece about anything. So I thought, well, Lord, is somebody else supposed to preach? And he said, no. I said, well, are we supposed to minister to people tonight? And he said, no. I said, well, then I know what to do. Look to my spirit, and look at what you've been dealing with me about, and that's what you want me to preach. So when I look to my spirit, and I, this is what he's been dealing with me about personally for a while now, th- then he said, and there was a piece, yeah, I want you to teach that. So even though this is about my life, but really it's about our life. So I want you to read with me. This is a very important scripture here in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24. Are you there? It says, Know ye not that, ye, that they which run in a race all run, but one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain... What's he saying? Take heed how you run. Run in a way that you win. And every man that strives for the mastery, that means that, that strives for victory, basically, that strives for the prize, okay? It's the struggle. It's the effort for the prize. Everyone that strives for mastery is temperate in all things. Did you notice that word temperate? We just read that word. One of the seven pillars of your faith is temperance. Now he says, if you want to, if you want to win, remember, everybody runs, but not everybody runs the right way. Do you want to be the one that comes last? Or do you want to be the one that wins? Because if you want to be the one that wins, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something if you want to be the one that wins. And the way you do it, it's not enough just to have faith. You've got to have, now he emphasizes something by the Holy Ghost here. He's, the Holy Ghost is emphasizing self-control. Because if you want to run your race, ministers, congregation members, everybody, myself, if we, it's not just that we run, it's take heed how we run. Because if we have to run in a way that we're going to get the prize, that we're going to strive for mastery, that we're going to win, run in such a way that you would win. And what does that mean? How do I run in that special way? A big element is temperance, because he emphasizes that. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. In other words, not just all over the place. Those, those professional runners, they're not just all over the place. They're very disciplined. They're very they're focused. And then he goes into a boxing analogy. Obviously, Paul liked his sports. 
I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beats the air. In other words, you're not just swinging. There's precision. There's precision to you. Boxers, if they know what they're doing, they have, they have precision. And they have combinations. And runners, they're not just running whatever. They're, they're, they're trained. They're focused. They're giving it their all. They're not just running. How they run matters. God is emphasizing to me, how, how, do you, how are you running, Craig? Because I want, you're going to finish. Are you listening? You're going to finish, but are you going to finish first? We're going to get to heaven and we're going to finish our race. If you're born again, you're going to get to heaven. Now, if you didn't understand faith, you're, you know, and, and, and all the, everything took you out all the time, all the, all the tests and trials knocked the stuffing out of you, then your faith is wood, hay, stubble. You don't understand it. You're going to get there. You're going to make it, but there's not going to, there's going to be some loss. You're not going to have rewards for Jesus. But, but now, from, that's a, one analogy, not from a race analogy. We're going to get to heaven. We're, we're going to heaven. You're going to finish your race, but I don't want to finish my race last. The person that still finished, finished, but they came in last. I don't want to come in last. And a lot of people are going to come in last. They don't realize that God is watching how they run, not just that they run. That it doesn't just matter that they finish and get to heaven. It matters how they get to heaven. It matters what they do here. It matters how they live. It matters how they organize their day. Because that's part of the precision. It really is. But I keep my body under, and I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Notice he talked about body. So with this race analogy, Jenny, out of all the things he could have said in the list of seven from 1 Peter, what, 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 what Paul emphasizes is this word temperance. Because temperance is a major, major key to if you're going to finish first or not. And that word temperance, can I read it to you from the Greek? It means self-control or restraint in two main areas, diet and sexual activity. That's what the Greek says. That's why he said, I put my body under. Because my body has appetites. Now, when you're married, it's, you know, the sexual thing is within the marriage context, it's fine. But mainly young people that are not married, you better be careful. Because their appetites in a normal human being, and if you don't control that appetite... If you don't control that, if you don't control those sexual appetites, it'll, you, it'll get, you off, get you out of the race. You may finish, but you'll finish last. And how many ministers have not shown temperance in the sexual arena, even though they are married? Marriage doesn't automatically mean that there's no temptation. How many ministers, big ministers, famous ministers, have got out of their race? They'll get to heaven, but they finish last. Because they couldn't control their sexual appetites. And the other is diet. They, you, know, you know, Jack Cole, Dad Hagen warned him because he, he had a jealousy issue and a pride issue and a diet issue and some other issues as well. And Dad Hagen said, if you don't get that under control, you're going to die young. He finished his race. He made it to heaven, but he came last, even though he had a great ministry. He didn't come first in his call. He didn't, he didn't finish in victory. I don't want to be that way. Do you, my brother and sister, I, I think we want to finish in whatever God's called Junior to do is different to what he's called me to do. Whatever God's called Perlin to do is different than what he's called uh, Brother Jonathan Biggs to do. 
But whatever God's called us to do, whatever our job is in the earth, I want to not only finish it, I want to finish first. But if I'm going to finish first, I've got to understand a few things. I've got to understand faith. But I've also got to add to my faith temperance. I've got to control diet. I've got to control sexual appetites. I've got to show self-restraint. I've got to say no. Do you understand? Just being honest with you. Some of us struggle with things more than others. We all struggle. We all struggle. Some of you don't struggle with diet at all. Some of you do. Obviously, it's an area that I'm getting victory on, and I am getting victory. But, but some, some other people have other bents and other weaknesses. So before you judge others too harshly, maybe just look at yourself and say, Lord, where, let me keep my backyard clean. Because I may not struggle with that, but you're, you're looking at the girls. Or you're not looking at the girls, but you can't keep that big flapping mouth shut and you keep gossiping all the time. Or, you, or you've got a bit of racism tucked away, hidden where nobody sees. So before you judge other people, check your own heart. Because there's always areas that we need to work on. Or you're easily offended. Oh, I'm telling you. The Bible says in the end days, a spirit of offense will come. Then never before in the history of humanity has there been a spirit of offense unleashed in the earth the way it is now. And I'm not talking about Christians. I'm talking about the world. This is where this ultra-diplomatic... Notice before, it wasn't just that we were an evolved society. It's because that spirit of offense wasn't operating in the world 100 years ago the way it is now. Now, I'm not talking about getting away with saying wrong things, inappropriate things, but everything is now censored. Everything is yes. now diplomatically correct. Everything is now, my God, you touchy, touchy, yes. Mr. and Mrs. Everybody's a porcupine. Yes. Everyone is a porcupine. You say the wrong thing, you act the wrong thing, and now every, every business has got these seminars that they make everybody go to to understand this group and understand that group. That's just, that's simple offense. The world is so obsessed with offense. They're offended about everything. And it's very hard as a believer to live in that because we're not offended about anything. Or you shouldn't be. Can I tell you the one golden rule that if you'll just, if, a big if, God planted you in this church, then you know when you're hard if this is home. And you know when you're hard if I'm your pastor or not. If that's true, the one simple thing that will keep you here right through to the rapture is by making this confession. Are you ready? Pastor, Lord Jesus, nothing. Nothing pastor does can ever offend me. And I renew my honor for him, spiritual honor for his office. He's not my friend. He might be friendly, but he's not my friend. His job is not to give me all the private time in the counseling room. His job is to feed me the word. Jesus didn't say counsel. He said, Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. If you read, if you read in Peter, he says, the great shepherd is going to give you a crown that fadeth not away to the pastor. And he said, if you feed. It's not about the private time. It's not about going to your house for a party. It's not about this. It's not about that. If you need that because you're so insecure or you've got some void in you, you will get offended and leave because I cannot meet that need. God didn't call me to meet that need. I'm not supposed to meet that need. And if I try, you'll get casual and familiar and then you get offended anyway. You've got to be here for the word. You've got to be here. And if you'll just say, Lord, I renew my honor, like Pastor Ruby does, that's why she can travel with Pastor Nancy. She sees her in all kinds of situations. It's probably much easier for her to get offended with her than you because she sees her in all kinds of situations. And she says to me, Craig, I say, I say every day, I renew my honor for her every day. Nothing she ever can do will offend me. I renew my honor for her today. Nothing she can do will offend me. You, you want to stay put? Then start to say that. Because I promise you, that spirit of offense will start going, tick, 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 tick. 
<laughs> you can answer the devil all you want. You won't walk in the spirit, it won't listen to you. You can bind the cancer all you want. If you don't walk in the spirit, it won't obey you. It's not blind confession, it's life in the spirit. It's not just understanding faith, it's understanding these other things. And self-control, I'm getting back on track now, self-control, there was another free bunny trail about the spirit of offense in the world. There is, the, there, there is this temperance, this self-control, especially in every area, shopping, any area, social media. They didn't have computers back there, but self-control in that. Self-control in sports. Some of you guys, it's all you watch, it's all you do, it's all you talk about. You do that more than you do pray. I'm telling you, there's a self-control element in every area of life. So you've got to find out where you're not self-controlled and bring it into subjection. I bring my body under subjection. If you don't, you bring your mind under subjection. You bring your body under subjection or you won't finish first. You'll get to heaven, but you won't finish first. I'm not interested in just getting to heaven. I want to get to heaven and be first in my call. But the only one that's running against me is me. So it's not, it's not like I'm competing with Greg and, and I'm going to be first and you're second and, and Wayne's third and I get there and go, <laughs> loser, I beat you. I'm the only one in my race, Greg. I, you're the only one in your race. From that perspective, we're not competing with each other. But I still want to finish first because there's other things that are trying to run alongside with me that aren't supposed to be there. Are you listening? I'm not competing against you. I'm competing against flesh. I'm competing against other people that try to get me out of my call and out of my race. And it's important that you have self-control. It's very, very, I know it's not maybe a, a shout, shout, but, but I, I, it is very, this teaching is, can save you. It can save you. Now, now, now have a look, please. So we've read that wonderful verse now. Now have a look at this word, Galatians 5, 7. Some scriptures about the race analogy. Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. It's what I just said to you. Galatians 5, 7. You did run well. That's past tense. But who hindered you that you should not obey the truth? Now, another translation says, who cut into your lane to convince you not to obey the truth? I like that one. Who cut into your lane? I just, what did I say, Taylor? Galatians, what? I'm looking it up in, in another translation, see if I can find that, because I didn't write it one. I didn't write it down. Uh, let me just look at one more. Who has held you back from following the truth as a new living? I, I, anyway, who interfered and stopped you? Praise God. I can't remember. I, I was reading, I, I got so many translations. I was reading one, and it says, who cut into your lane to hinder you from obeying the truth? You see, Jenny, we're not competing with other people in our race, person to person, but what we are is there's things running beside us in our race. It's called demons, it's called flesh, and demons will work through other humans, and flesh is our own problem. And as we're going, Jenny, if somebody cuts into your lane and moves you over that line, you disqualify. Paul knew that because they had Olympic Games back then. And he's saying, listen, you want to finish first? Be careful who's running with you. Be careful that you don't let your flesh cut in. Be careful you don't let lack of self-control ruin it for you. Be careful you don't let people that are influenced by demons and all their nonsense that they're saying to you cut in and deceive you so that you don't obey the truth. 
Because we're not just running, it's not just a nice little race where you see what you, what you, what you see on the television with these races is they're going against each other, so it's in everybody's best interest to win. But in, in our life, it's not like that, Greg. We don't have other people that are competing with us as, as fellow believers that it's everyone in everyone's best interest. It's the only one is in the best interest is me, but there are certainly other contestants in the race, but they are against me. They are looking, unlike what you see on the regular race, they're all running and trying to stay in their lane. No, no, no. Where I'm running, the one beside me is trying to trip me up. I've got enemies at every side. I've got enemies on both sides. I've got flesh on one, and I've got demons on others. And as I'm running, they're trying to influence me. And people, they're trying to use people to influence me. And my flesh is trying to rise up. And every time it tries to get me over the line, and it tries to get me over the line, and he's saying, you did run well. Why did you get them cut in your lane and disqualify you? Because if you don't control yourself, you will finish, but you won't finish first. Hallelujah. Look at 2 look at Timothy 2.5. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, if any man also strive for masteries, he's talking about races here, yet, is not, yet he is not crowned or he doesn't win except he strive lawfully. Yes. You've got to obey the rules. Yes. In the race world, the rule is don't get out of your line, but in God's race rules, it's control yourself. Walk in love. Know the plan of God. Understand faith. Have self-control, have patience, have holiness. These are God's rules as you run. If you run and you want to win, notice what he said. If you run and you want to win, you got to obey the rules of the race. In the natural world, we understand what the rules are. But in the spiritual, a lot of us don't understand what the rules are. In the spiritual, there are rules that God has. Those seven things that I listed, including faith, are the rules. If you don't have them, you won't finish properly because they'll cut in and get you out. If you want to win, follow the rules. If you want to win, don't let things cut in on you. Continue to obey the rules. Those are two verses there that I've read you from Galatians 5, 7 and 2 Timothy 2, 5. Now let me continue in giving the, this, the, the temperance race analogy, but I, I found some others. So could you look please with me in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. What renews your mind? It's not the gifts of the Spirit and it's not worship. And it's not the presence of God. Those things encourage you, strengthen you, refresh you. What renews and changes your thinking is the Word. The only thing that changes your thinking is the Word. Not worship services, not fellowship times, not healing lines that can help you change things in your body. But the only thing that changes the way you think is being washed with the water of God's Word. So when we read the Word together and there's a corporate anointing and the Holy Ghost has instructed me what to say, and I'm not just guessing tonight, then this, this, this Word is for you. This Word is for this church. Whether you're watching or whether you're present, it's for this church. And the Word will wash you. The Word will renew your thinking so that you go out if you're not just feeling good, or they'll hope you feel good too, but you go out thinking different. That's what changes you. As a man thinks in his heart, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, so is he. You, what, the way you, what your life is today is the, direct because of the way you think. It's direct because of what you meditate on, and it's what you say. 
People always talk about your life is by your words, and that's true. But where did the words come from? The meditation of the heart and the thoughts of the mind. So what you're thinking about is determining your life. What you think and meditate and speak, it's, that's, what, that's, what the, that's what this world is all about. So if you guard what you think about and you wash your thoughts with the word, your meditation of your heart will be right, your words will be right, your life will be right. But if your thinking's wrong because you refuse to come to church, because you refuse to watch if you can't come, because you get offended, because everything else is more important than the Word. And I don't just mean the preached Word. I mean your own study of the Word. Getting in the Word yourself, reading the Word every day, and not just reading it like, well, I don't really understand what that means in five minutes you close the book, but saying, Holy Ghost, I'm waiting on you. Give me revelation into your Word. I pray in the Holy Ghost over this Scripture. Show me revelation truth about this passage. And He will lead you and He will show you. And between that revelation that washes your thinking and then what you hear preached corporately washes your thinking, over six months a year, you think different. People come in here, Greg, and they think so many strange things. And just the Word, just, just, just simple preaching of the Word, teaching on the Word, just corrects thinking. It corrects thinking. They thought, they, they thought it was God's will to put sickness on them. Now they realize, oh, that's not right. So they corrected that thinking. Well, I can get offended. It's my right. Oh, no, I'm not allowed to do. Not as a child of God, I'm not. That's for the sinners. That's for people whose father is the devil, not as a believer. Oh, okay. Oh, I can't just talk about anybody I want. Oh, oh, I do need to serve and do toilets. I thought I was better than that. Oh, but that's what humility is. Oh, I'll think better on that line. Oh, now I understand what tongues is about. Oh, now I understand what the gift of faith is about. Oh, because I'm changing my thinking with the Word. Just take some time, but you'll change. You'll turn into a beautiful, wonderful, glorious Christian. God loves you anyway, but He wants you to be stronger and He wants you to be more like Him. So where are we reading, to, uh, brother, to brother Timothy Taylor? <laughs> Philippians chapter 3, is that what I said? Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. Ready? Read. No, I'm just saying. Uh, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow hard after. If I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of by Christ. Brethren, I count up myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now watch, this is a race analogy. I press toward the mark for the prize. This is a race analogy of the high calling. In other words, the prize at the end of the line is finishing your calling. It's all about the plan of God. It's about the call. And I don't mean fivefold call. Yes, ministers, are five, but we all have a call. Yes, God has called you to do something. Yes, it's a plan for your future. Strive, press toward to fill, fulfill that plan. That's what he's talking about. Let us therefore now, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God will reveal this unto you. Praise God. He says here, so I'm just giving you some race analogy uh, suggestions from the Apostle Paul. If you want to not just finish, but finish first, have self-control. Put your body under. If you want to finish, but not just finish, but finish first, reject condemnation. Because one thing that will rob you is looking backwards. And Paul had a horrendous past. And he consented to the martyrdom of, of Stephen and held the coats of them that stoned him. Can you imagine the guilt and the condemnation after he saw Jesus? Most of you haven't killed Christians. For a long time, he was a bad dude, thinking he was right. 
What I'm saying is your past will rob you in your race. I mean your past from 20 years ago, and I didn't mean your past from 20 days ago. And I mean your past from 20 hours ago. Anything that has gone on, therefore there is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus maketh us free from the law of sin and death. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. There is now no condemnation if you're in the Spirit, if you're running your race, you've got to forget the past. I find a lot of Christians are always talking to me about what's happened. And I feel like saying, would you just let it go? I know you made a mistake. Forgive yourself. God already forgave you if you asked Him. Let it go. But you don't understand. I, I've let God down. Don't you understand? I, I, had, I didn't treat my spouse right. Well, we're not justifying your behavior. Repent of it. And if you can fix it, fix it. But for goodness sakes, let it go. Because you'll never go forward if you're always looking backward. Have you ever seen a runner look back? He's saying, I'm pressing to fulfill the plan of God for my life. I'm going for the prize of the calling. And I'm going to not look back, think back, remember back, meditate back. I've got to look forward. If you want to finish your race first, be self-controlled. And stop looking at what you've done wrong, not as a justification. But as a, as a condemnation, stop it. it. When I do that, it hinders my race. Are you with me still? Now, uh, the last one, the last scripture here on this section is Hebrews chapter 12. Would you look there with me? Hebrews 12. I know it's 857. We're almost done. Hebrews chapter 12. Wonderful verse. Verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. That's the people that have gone on before that are watching us. I don't, you know, I don't know if you realize, but the ones that have gone on before, spiritual fathers watch you. Not a freaky way, not a weird way, but there's a cloud of witnesses in heaven that are, that are aware of what's happening on the earth and that when there was relationship, when they were on the earth, Dr. Dufresne is watching. There's a cloud of witnesses in the Word and Spirit movement, the faith movement that are watching. Listen to me. There's people that held that mantle that are watching. There's people from that Bond Street church that prayed that are watching our church today. They're watching because they're interested because they were invested in that mantle. They saw a move of God and been, they were praying for a move of God to shake Toronto. We're not, we're, we, we look like we're just, nobody knows. But there's a, there's a cloud that watches us. You, you got, it's, it's like a race. There's, a, there's people in the stands watching. It's a race analogy, and he knows in the Olympics, people watch. And he's saying to people, you're running your race on this earth, but they're watching you. Like you see in the Olympic stadium, they're watching, but they're watching you. They're cheering you on. They're praying for us. Amen. Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. Jesus is praying for us to finish our race. He's praying that our faith would not fail. The, the believers that have gone on before are praying that the will of God would be done on the earth. Amen. We're not in this alone. There's a whole bandstand watching and cheering us. Amen. You just can't see them, but when you get there, you'll see them. Yes. Wherefore, seeing we are so compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so does easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Did you know one translation says marked out for us? 
Let me tell you something. You have got to figure out what is your race that God marked for you. And don't try to run my race, run your race. The difference is when we're on a part of a local church, we're, we're running together with a corporate race. We're running in Hebron. But so we're running together with the race God's given the ministry and what God's given me. But, you know, Michaela can run run in Hebron and help fulfill the plan of God in the earth through the vision of promise of life. But she also has a race to run herself as she runs with the vision of the church. God may have called her to be a doctor or, or a lawyer or, or an accountant or whatever, a teacher, whatever. But she has to run that race. She has to fulfill her calling, the plan of God for her life as it, it, as it is integrated in the local church vision for the end days. Do you understand? So we're not just talking about the local church's vision and like you don't matter. You've got a, you've got a race to run. Amen. And it's a marked race. It's set out just for you. Yes. It's particular. It's specific, Jenny. Yes. You're, not, you're important to God. He, he took time to give you a marked out race. So number one, you've got to understand faith. If you're going to finish first, you've got to understand faith because as you build, you've got to understand faith. But now in the race analogy, number two, you've got to understand self-control. You've got to understand no condemnation. Because if you don't deal with that condemnation, it'll hold you back. And number three, you've got to deal with hindrances and distractions. Notice weights aren't sins. They're just things that distract you. In your race, it's easy to get distracted. Distractions are trying to cut into your lane and disqualify you. Guard yourself from that. Distractions is the weights here. They're, big, they're a big problem for people, especially today. You know, back in the day, there's no television. You know, we had Murder, She Wrote. We had one channel or two channels. I don't know. You know, we had a record player, and all my mother ever played was Jimmy Swaggart, so I know all his stuff, and Richard Clayderman, the pianist, and some other secular stuff that is very nice, sweet stuff, just like Calypso music, you know, not, not bad stuff. You know, no, 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 no computers, no distractions. No phones. We don't have brakes in the car, so we have to use our faith. You know, it's wonderful. We live in Africa. There's spiders and snakes. We have to use our faith. I mean, life was simple. Oh, my God, not anymore. Now even the old people, they can't read. They have smartphones. They know everything about everything about everything. You know what I'm saying? You know, back in the day, the, 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 the old people would have these huge phones. You'd flip up, and it would be like nine, zero, and then they'd flip the screen, five, because they can't see, so they need the numbers to be so big. You know, and they flip that phone up, and now everybody has a smartphone, and everybody, everybody even my mother knows stuff that I'm shocked that she knows. I'm like, how did, you know, how did you know to do that? She's cutting and pasting and sending me and connecting me to this. And I'm like, dear God, woman, how did you know this? You didn't even have brakes. How did you know this? <laughs> it's astonishing. In our fast-paced society, knowledge is exploding. Everything, there's so much at your disposal. And while it's such a blessing, and, and a, a, in many ways, it can be a massive distraction. It, it, keep it in its place, and it's great. But get that fire out of the fire pit and out of, the, out of your little your thing and put, get it onto the drapes and you knock your house down. Yeah, right. Tear your house apart. Yeah. Distractions are huge. Yeah. So when you're running your race, watch distractions. That's the weights. Now the sins, that's the holiness. Remember he said godliness. What well, was one of the seven? Temperance was one of the seven. Holiness or godliness is one of the seven. And he says, deal with the sin. Sin's trying to cut into your lane. Fence is trying to cut into your lane. You want to finish your race or you want to finish first? 
I don't still want to finish. I want to take heed how I run so I finish first. I've got to understand faith. I've got to have self-control, especially over diet and sexual appetites and every other appetite that's out there. I've got to quit blaming myself for the past and letting the past go. I've got to guard against hindrances of, t of, of, of distractions. I've got to live pure and clean before God without sin. And the last one, number six, well, five on this list, but then if you add faith, it's number six, is patience. I'm telling you, let me tell you something. The race that God is having you run isn't going to finish next week. We are in more of a marathon than we are a race. Because when I think race, I think 100 meters. But we are in a marathon. And, and I know this glory center, I know when it's coming, God's shown some of the things in the future, but do you realize that on a day-to-day -day basis, it's not here yet? Things are not happening as fast as I personally would like them to happen, but it's called patience. I have to keep my eye on the prize, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I've got to keep my eyes on Him, and I've got to keep running, and I've got to run with all my heart. If I want to finish first, I've got to run with all my heart. I can't let, I can't let these, these tests and trials get the better of me. My faith has to deal with that. I, I can't let self-control, the lack of self-control, ruin my race and cut in on my lane. I can't let guilt over the past hinder my future. And distractions are huge, and sin is huge, and patience is huge, because I've got to keep running and have the same energy five years from now that I have today. And David Hogan has talked a lot of, to me over the years about this one thing. And he said, you know, everybody when I came out of the jungle, which was in 1994, his first time he preached, I, I heard the first time I was in India, but my mother sent me his first sermon in English. I still have that on cassette tape. It's a wonderful sermon. And he's preached hundreds, thousands of times since then in English. But when he first came out of the jungle, he had so much passion and so much intensity. And ministers, good-meaning ministers, older men, father figures would say, you're going to burn out. You, you can't go the distance with that much fire. You'll burn out. And he would say, God, should I, should I slow down? And God would say, that's demons speaking to you through those men. Do not slow down. Do not. You, the Holy Ghost can't burn out. The fire of God has no end to it. If you yield to the fire and the energy of God, you can run with intensity and run your whole life long and never burn out. And he's now about to turn 70. 50 years almost in the in ministry, seeing almost 30 people raised from the dead, half a million people born again, thousands, hundreds of thousands of churches. Well, not hundreds of thousands, but tens of thousands of churches. And he is still going as strong. The flame is as bright. His eyes are as dedicated. He has still got the same zeal he had in his first sermon and more. Yeah. So don't tell me you have to... There's a patience that has to come because the race isn't going to end next week or next year. This is going until we hear the trumpet call or until we breathe our last breath. And you've got to have staying power. You've got to have longevity to you. Patience is the fortitude to keep going. If you want to run your race, you've got to know these things. And I'll read you one last verse. in 2 Timothy 2.4, because there's another analogy. It just, it just fits here, and I'm not going to be long. But 2 Timothy 2.4, it just fits so perfectly because, because the Apostle Paul talked about building, racing, and military. I've given you the building thing, take heed how you build. I've given you the race thing, take heed how you run. But now this is a military verse here where he says, take heed how you act. 
which is basically the same thing. I'm just want to read it to you. And it says in verse 4, 2 Timothy 2, 4, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier, his commanding officer. Now, what was, what was he saying in the military side of things? What did he emphasize again? I've given you how many things? Six things. But he emphasized one under the military category. He didn't mention any of the other six. He doesn't mention faith. He doesn't mention self-control. He doesn't mention condemnation. He doesn't mention sin. He doesn't mention patience. He mentions distractions. No man that wars goes into the war, goes into the army, entangles himself with the affairs of this life. That means the distractions of this life, that he may please his commanding officer. God, I'm telling you, the, one of the biggest enemies, what's going to cut into your lane is distractions. You know why they're so deadly, Taylor? Because it's not sin. You know not to sin. There's something just you just know I shouldn't do that. But distractions doesn't have the same sting as sin. So something kind of creeps up on you, and because you know it's not wrong, you let it in. And it's technically not wrong in its right place, but then it jumps out of the fireplace and starts eating, setting the drapes on fire, and then before you know it, you're in trouble because it wasn't wrong. It's not a sin. It's a distraction. But a distraction is more deadly than a sin. That's why when, 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 when the Hebrew writer Paul listed, he says, he lists distractions first. He says the weight that's so easily and the sin, but he lists the weight first. Because the distractions of life are more deadly than the sins because they're more subtle and they'll sneak in without you realizing. And before you know it, just you know how you know if you're distracted? Look at your 24-hour clock. You've all got the same amount of time. What do you spend your time on? No, seriously, what do you spend your... You're going to need to honestly look. If you want to finish first, you've got to judge your day. Everyone is given an equal portion of time. What you do at that time is going to determine if you, how you run, how you build, and how you fight. Take heed how you run. Take heed how you build. Take heed how you fight. Don't be distracted. Because there's so much calling our name. There's so much, there's so much, there's so much, there's so much. There's so much calling our name. I am not against social media in any way, shape, or form. I think it's an amazing tool. But the Lord said to me some time ago, and he didn't forbid me forever. He just said it for a season. That season, I guess, hasn't come to an end because every time I try to do it, I have a check. But he said to me, I'm, I don't know when the season will end. Maybe it will never end. But he just said to me, I don't want you on social media. I don't want you getting that. And I said, but Lord, everybody, even, even my, my mother, who doesn't have breaks. Even, even my mother understands some of the stuff and whatever. I said, Lord, what do you mean? And you know, it wasn't because it's wrong. You know what he said to me? He said, it will distract you. It will distract you. See, it's not sin, but it's worse than sin. It's a distraction. Distractions sneak in, Taylor. And we're, we're, not, we're not skillful in it because it's not wrong. And, and so we start. But then you need the Holy Ghost to say, stop. Stop. You can be good at certain things. You can be good at cooking. You can be good at sports. Keep it in its place. Because before you know it. I know a pastor who was a chess, loved chess. Studied chess. Fascinated by chess. A grandmaster from Russia came and was playing 20 simultaneous games in the mall. You know, they just go one thing to the next and they move their piece. And he was one of the guys selected to play this grandmaster from Russia. 
He beat all the 19 people in like 10 minutes except this pastor. He had to sit down, this grandmaster, and go eye to eye with him and battle it out. Now, he beat him, but not by much. Shows you how smart this pastor was. I'm talking like a, like a prodigy of chess. He could have done it professionally. And one day the Holy Ghost spoke to him and said, no more chess, son. And he wept over. He was brokenhearted. He said, why, Lord? He said, because it's interrupting your call. You're getting distracted. You're thinking more about the chess. In your mind when you sleep, you're practicing your moves. You're thinking about the different attack strategies. You're thinking about it all the time. And, you're, and I've called you to preach. There's nothing wrong with the chess in itself, but it has become something wrong. It's distracting you. And uh, he had to give it up. Now, some people don't have to give it up entirely, but he had to because the hold of him was so strong. The hold on him was so strong. Some things you have to give up totally. If you want to finish your race, you can keep your thing and then show up to heaven last. And then you're going to have to look at yourself and go, was it worth it? I'm trying to help you now so you don't regret it then. You're all getting there. But how you get there and what position you get there and what crowns and rewards you have when you get there is a whole other story. Some people are just satisfied to get there. I'm not satisfied just to get there. I want to finish in my calling and in my race first. I'm not going to let anything cut in my lane and disqualify me. So what do we learn here? You have to, you have to understand faith or you're not going to make it in this race. You have to understand self-control. You have to forget the past and curse condemnation from its root. You have to watch distractions. Distractions, 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 because in the military, he emphasized distractions only. You have to deal with sin, and you have to have patience. You can't quit. You've got to keep going, and, and, and don't burn out. Keep refiring with the Holy Ghost every day. Keep refiring every day. Keep refiring every day. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God, I want to finish my race first. Lord, I'm not competing with anybody in this room because they're not running against me. I've got flesh and demons running against me, but I'm going to put my foot on the neck of those demons and I'm going to put my foot on the neck of that flesh. And it's not going to enter into my lane and disqualify me. I'm going to run and I'm going to follow the rules. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to do what your word says. My desire, Father, is when I get to that finish line that you say, well done, son, thy good and faithful servant. You didn't just make it. You, you made it first in your race. I give you glory, Father. I give you glory and I give you praise. Help this message land in their hearts right. There was many corrective notes here, Father, subliminal and soft and subtle corrective notes, but Lord, there were many if they would open their hearts to listen. Let them look at their lives and especially in the distraction and the self-control elements, let them, Father, bring balance to their lives so that we can run our race in a way that we would obtain the prize. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.